It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. It is the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much for listening. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday. And then this last hour, 5 to 6 Eastern, is the happy hour. It is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, which is just delicious and fantastic. And we recommend it if you're 21-plus only, of course. Always drink responsibly. TheLongDrink.com. All the info right there as they really expand and become a force here in the U.S., a taste of Finland in America. Our website is GuyBensonShow.com. And you've got everything you need right there. You can follow us on social media, at Guy Benson Show, Twitter, and Instagram. Catch me tonight. I'm supposed to be on with Waters in the 7 p.m. hour Eastern on FNC. Then I've got Newsroom tomorrow morning on FNC, Varney on FBN. We are sprinting to the finish here in the election season. GuyBensonShow.com, our home here on the radio. And with us here in studio in New York is our colleague Bill Hemmer, co-anchor of America's Newsroom which I'll be on tomorrow, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the News Channel. He's also a huge part of Democracy 2022, our election night coverage on the News Channel, starting 6 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday night. I'll be a smaller part of that coverage. Bill, it is great to see you. Guy, nice to see you, too. So in person, I want to just ask Mm -hmm. you a behind the scenes sort of pull back the curtain type question. There are so many moving parts on election night. Yeah. So much data rumors that start flying around, incomplete information, and we're on the air trying to make sense of it all for the audience at home, usually a huge viewing audience on election night. There's a lot at stake, a lot of eyeballs glued to the TV. What does the preparation look like? It doesn't just magically happen yeah. next Tuesday. There's a lot of work that goes yeah, in, right? There, there is, and I, to be honest with you, this started eight months ago, and then the meeting started six months ago, and we met throughout the summer once a week, and... And then you start getting into other groups and you subdivide the amount of work that you that needs to be done. Um, <clears throat> for me, I thought the primary season was actually a good learning tool. Be- we're going back to last April and May sure. now. Because um, you saw how the field was winnowed down and you learned about the candidates. And you learned what was working and what wasn't. And you saw surprises that you know maybe you didn't expect. And a lot of those people are no longer candidates. But some of them are. And you, you've seen now how upsets, for example, New Hampshire, Don Bulldog. I, I think a couple of days ago, about a week ago, everybody had him left for dead. And maybe he's not. Well, we just had Governor Sununu on the show last hour. He predicts Bulldog is going to win. I saw him in Utah about a month ago, and he said the same thing. I, you're right about that. Um, it's interesting to me how things can can change, but yet they're not, they're not definite yet. No. And... You, you can think what you want, and you, you can read whatever you want and draw your own conclusions, but nothing is really determined until at least next Tuesday, if not beyond. Now, in your role on election night, there's an added layer of preparation probably because yes. of the famous touchscreen map, right. right? You're the map guy, and that's, I would imagine, a fair amount of pressure because 
you've got to touch that thing, and that's got to behave the way you need it to, or else it's like live TV. So talk (laughs) about like the reps. Are you like a quarterback in like the film room? You you need to practice. (laughs) Um, You need some reps. Uh, There's no doubt about that. I think our software has gotten better every year. But this year is different, and I I gave you somewhat of an incomplete answer the first time. So here's how I'd finish that out, is that my job is to try and figure out how these house districts are going to break. The Senate and the governor is a little easier to study based on previous elections because you're essentially looking at states as a whole, and within those states it's counties. And you can get down to the precinct level if you want, but it may not be necessary unless it's really razor tight. We're going deep into the night or even we haven't made a call and it's Wednesday afternoon. And, Guy, you're saying, well, what the hell's going on in Pennsylvania? Why can't we make a call? Which is kind of interesting, and I'll double back to that in a second. The thing that's challenging about House districts this year is that the census drew, they, census allowed new lines. Yeah, Democrats or Republicans, whoever had the Democratic or the um, political leadership in the state, to draw different lines. Now, now the question then becomes, who's that favor? What town was knocked out? What was included? Um, does their strategy help their party, or is it possible the strategy to divide and conquer actually hurts the party? They call that a dummy mander. Okay. Correct. Yeah, instead of a gerrymander. And, and do you do you know where this is being watched right now? Nevada in particular. Nevada is one of them. Very good. I know you knew your stuff. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I see you. And we're going to see whether or not the strategy works because Las Vegas favored Democrats by almost 25 points, and they went in there and they divided the pie to try and help two other candidates around that area. Yeah, it might backfire. And It might. We'll see. So there's, there's four districts in Nevada, and three of them are said to be contested. The other one's Illinois because they kind of went into Chicago and divvied that up a little bit too. So, yeah, but th- th- that's an extra challenge on top of making sure that the technology that you as a viewer is watching in real time does what you expect it mm-hmm. to do. And you want to just like look and seem totally fluid, but yeah. it's like it's like the duck placid on the surface, scrambling yeah. like crazy beneath the surface, right? Uh-huh. Pedaling, pedaling away. Correct. You wanted to make a point about Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I think viewers need to understand we're trying to make. This is part of our coverage so that people get it. There's a big mail-in vote in Pennsylvania. But according to state law, under the Republican legislature now, okay? Just like 2020. They didn't change the rules. Um, I don't know why, but the polls open at 7 a.m. I'll try and make this as easy as I can. They will start processing the mail-in ballots starting at 7 a.m. I did not say count. They will start processing them. They will count the day of vote first. So if I mail in a ballot two weeks ago, mine will be processed and counted last. It's crazy. If Guy Benson votes at 2 o'clock that afternoon, your vote is is uh, counted first. Why is this important? The trend says that Democrats vote by mail, Republicans vote in person. I think, by and large, that's still true, but I think it's changing. Um, but in PA, I think it's pretty true. <laughs> four to one so far in the early vote. Sorry, I ate popcorn right before I came in. Here. <laughs> Should not do that. Jim Bognet is a Republican who ran for a district in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's called Congressional District 8. He lost to a Democrat by the name of Matt Cartwright. They're having a rematch next Tuesday. Bognet's got a pretty good chance to win this. On election night 2020 at midnight, he went to bed. He was leading by how many votes? 10,000. He lost that race the next day by 13,000 votes. 
So you see what the difference is. And we're going to try and try and pull the curtain back. And by the way, just editorially, I think this is a crazy way to do it. The way that Florida does it is the correct way to do it. You process and count the votes as they come in early. And then you have all of that. You publish it. And then you wait for the election day votes to come in. If the Republicans can catch up, great. If they yeah. can't, so be it. That is a system that makes sense to me. This system that Pennsylvania created for itself, I think, really fueled some of the nuttiness and craziness in 2020 because people said, oh, there's this fraudulent blue wave that showed up. This is the system, how they designed it. Then they didn't change it. It's going to be the same thing again. They they did not change it. With regard to your point on Florida, they're they're fast counters, too. And you're going to know early in the night how some of these districts are going. I think 801. I think statewide. I think 801 p.m. Statewide, I think they're going to be able to call statewide races the Republicans. Well, um, Ronna McDaniel thinks that they can flip the House based on four districts alone in Florida that she thinks they'll gain. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Let's talk briefly about Virginia because that's where I live. It's one of the East Coast states. Yeah. Seven o'clock. And if we want to, yep. If we want to get a sense pretty early in the night of how things might go, and Virginia, it's not perfect as an analogy for the rest of the country, but I think it's Virginia two, Virginia seven, Virginia ten. Very good. Right. Ten is a, a real tough one for the Republicans. If if Virginia ten falls to the Republicans, you know, Katie bar the door, bar the door, because it is going to be a night. But the other two, Virginia seven, yeah. close-ish. Virginia two, toss up. Those seem like some pretty important early yeah. bellwethers. Um, they are, and they close early. And I think Virginia counts early, and I think we found that out a year ago with yep. Glenn Youngkin. Yes. And I, I think the case I would make for Virginia is that there was a big Republican turnout that year. I still think those voters are there. I still think those voters are going to vote. Um, I, I'd make the same case for New Jersey. That slipped under the radar a year ago. Well, Those swung 12 points or whatever. Well, I mean, Biden Phil Murphy to... only won by about three points. Exactly. In a, in a state that was heavily Democratic, it was not polled, there was no media attention, and the underdog almost made it happen. My point is that in New Jersey, the reason why at least four of these congressional districts are being fought over is because the voters who voted a year ago are still there and they're going to vote again. Now, with regard to Virginia, I think there's two very important things to understand. Virginia, too, is the southeast corner of the state. So that's like Chesapeake. That's like Norfolk. Um, The Republicans drew a more favorable line for Jen Kiggins. She's a veteran. She flies helicopters. And she's a really good candidate. Elaine Lurie is the Democrat. She's a veteran. She's had the seat since 2018. Heavily military. Both are veterans. Very good race. I think Jen Kiggins has a very good chance of winning that race. Not by a lot, but two points. I would say in Virginia 7, that's Abigail Spanberger. She also wanted so – there's so many women who won in the Democratic wave of 2018 who are still in office. Spanberger is one of them. But her district used to be the west side of Richmond, Virginia. Okay, that used to be Dave Bratt's district, and it was Eric Canner's district before that. What Spanberger did was pretty extraordinary, winning in 18 and winning again in 2020. This is an but easier district for her. It was. The new one. It was. But this new district is easier for her, correct? It's right. closer to Northern Virginia. They literally, guy, they, they took it this way and they put it up here. Um, but it's a pretty good contest. I think, yes, Lee Vega, uh, her background is law enforcement. She's a pretty good candidate, too, uh, for that district, and that's why it's being contested. Here's what I would summarize. Two, seven, and you mentioned ten. Hung Kao is a very interesting guy. He was born in Saigon. His family immigrated to the United States. 
Um, he's a Navy veteran, and he's trying to knock out Jennifer Wexton, who also won in 2018. Mm-hmm. I mean, the similarities are amazing here, okay? That's Barbara Comstock. His di- very good. His district is more heavily Democratic the way it's weighted. Here's what I would think about. If two goes down, Republicans are going to have a good night. If seven and two go down, it's going to be a wave. If two, seven, and ten go down in a state like Virginia— I don't know. Is that wave 50 feet high? Tsunami. It could be. Yeah. It's Hammer Time with Bill Hammer here on the Guy Benson Show. We're not done yet. I want to talk about New York next after this. Bill Hammer with us here in studio on the Guy Benson Show. Let's talk New York. You live here. We've talked a lot during the pandemic about your experiences here in New York. You just referenced what happened a year ago, just across the river in New Jersey. Not exactly the same state, but both very blue, New York bluer, but there are half a dozen, seven maybe, House seats being fought over across the state of New York. At least. At least. And you've got this governor race here that is really fascinating. I can't bring myself to actually believe that Kathy Hochul can manage to lose this thing, but I can't discount it anymore, at least as easily as I yeah, did. Yeah there's, yeah, there's so much to say about that. Pat- and it also takes forever to count in this state, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, honestly, I, I, I don't know. You know, they ran the ranked choice for the mayor, and they said, come back in a week. And we came back in a week, and they said, come back in another week. And we came back another week, <laughs> and they said, give us one more. Mm. I, which I, I don't know how you feel about ranked choice voting, but I, I, I think the wrinkles need to still be ironed out. I like it in theory. I know the Aussies do it. I think the way it plays out in reality doesn't make sense in America, mm-hmm. especially with all the distrust, where it's all this behind-the-scenes black box reallocating it. I think it I'm not shows a, more distrust. I'm not a fan. Um, you can prove to me that it's a better system if Australia uses it. Tell me why it's great. <clears throat> I think people want to know now, especially with this distrust level that you yes. mentioned, get the information out faster, not slower. New York. In 1994, George Pataki ran as a Republican and won as governor. He was going against Mario Cuomo, who was coming off his 12th year in office. Uh, Crime was a mess. New York City was a disaster. Pataki won. The first of three terms in New York. But the last time he won was 20 years ago in 2002. What's interesting that I picked up this past week, a year before, Christy Todd Whitman won the governor's office in New Jersey as a Republican. Uh, you can argue whether she's still a Republican today because some of the things— She's a moderate Republican, 93. Exceedingly moderate, 93. Right. George Allen also won as governor of Virginia that year. Started a long string of Republicans winning these big statewide races. Also in 1993, Rudy Giuliani was elected mayor in New York. New York City was on its knees then. Lee Zeldin believes that he, if he gets 35% in the boroughs, he's a winner. The margin is a minimum of 30%. He's shooting for 35. That's the number to look out for. Kathy Hochul is not from the borough. She's from Buffalo, New York. 35 is tough, by the way. I'm not saying it's impossible. That's tough in New York City for a Republican. New York City is 7 to 1 Democrats to Republicans. So your listeners understand, when you go into the, where do you vote? Virginia. When you go into the ballot box in New York, right, you get to the issues and you get to the state Supreme Court. There is not a Republican on the ballot. For the U.S. states, uh, sorry, for the New York State Supreme Court. It's all D. Mm. You have to, like, do your homework. Who's the least crazy? Those are your options. Can (laughs) Zeldin win? I think he can. It would be, it would have to be part of the red tsunami that's 50 feet high to make it happen.
Let's close on some sports. Let's start with baseball. What a weird World Series I so think far. It's, it's amazing. Right? So you've got two nights ago, the Astros get lit up. They lose 7 nothing. Five home runs by the Phillies. Place is rocking. Last night, the Phillies don't even get a hit. They get no hit by this combined effort of the Astros pitching staff. Back-to-back nights. It's weird. That's a wacky game, isn't it? I think it's great for Fox. I think it's great for a sport that a lot of people have frankly lost interest in. And I think it's great for the young generation of Americans who are off playing lacrosse and doing a lot of the things that are more familiar to them. Yeah, baseball's great. I just wish I didn't have to root for the Phillies here's the, <laughs> against, I, against hey, here's, Houston. Here's the thing I would do. I would start the games earlier. Well, I'd, I'd do the same thing for well, the NBA playoffs. I think we both I, know why that doesn't happen. I'd do the same thing for the NFL. I think there's probably some only. people in this very building you could probably talk to about that, and yes. they'd probably laugh you out of the room <laughs> because I think there's a bit of money to be made there. I agree. Uh, I don't know if it's a sore spot, but I have mm. to ask you about the Bengals. Yeah. Eh, I mean, what, it's 500? Dreadful. It was dreadful. It, that, that game against Cleveland was really what's going really on bad. because uh, they were they, so good last they, year. They've had a few key injuries over the last two weeks. Key injuries now. Jamar Chase is one of them. Um, I also think that any time they have played a great defensive front, a la Dallas, the Cowboys are great up front. Mika Parsons, they it, it's a real Exposed. challenge. It's a real challenge for them. And I, I, I thought the defensive front going into that game for Cleveland was really good. Jadavion Clowney is still a good player. Miles Garrett might be one of the best defensive ends in the country, or one of them. And they just they gave our line a handful. Does it and feel like a coming back down to earth no, situation? No, not yet. Okay. All right. Not yet. <laughs> he, he won't. He yeah. We have no call. There's no Bill Hammer decision desk call <laughs> yeah. on the Cincinnati Bengals season just yet. Anyway, I'm hoping my best for my team, and I hope they're not as dreadful as they showed the other night. Bill Hammer, it's great to see you. See Decision you Desk and the whole thing. Democracy 2022, Tuesday night, Fox News Channel, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be a part of it. He'll be a huge part of it. Brett and Martha anchoring the whole crew there. And then looks like I'm joining you guys tomorrow on okay. Newsroom. Awesome. I will see you then. 9 to 11 Eastern on Fox News Channel. That's see tomorrow you. morning. Bill Hemmer here in studio on The Guy Benson Show. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, guys. We'll be right That was this week's edition of The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.